Sermons are, first reading the gospel, are very sophisticated and very complicated stories. People have argued over the, uh, the history, over were they, are they myth, are they exact, literal, what it, they are not either. Uh, to focus on that is to lose our sight on what is the author trying to tell us. And uh, we find what the author is trying to tell us in the second reading by Paul. He's explaining to us what it is. Normally, Paul's letters are addressing problems in the communities. Stop doing this. Don't do this. Do, don't, don't do that. This one to the Romans, he's trying to explain. And uh, uh, certainly, um, in these temptations, we see um, Satan's very clever. Uh, he asked, after Jesus has spent time fasting for 40 days, um, the tempter comes to have a conversation with him. And uh, first he suggests that he uses divine power. Remember, Jesus is human and divine. To use his divine power for himself. You're hungry, make bread. And um, Jesus says, I will rely on my father. The second one um, is about distrust. He says, um, it is written, if you do this, angels will come and help you. And Jesus does not distrust his father. So it's about, it's about testing the very word of God and whether one trusts it or not. And in this case, it is Jesus of Nazareth that he's talking to. And finally, uh, he appeals to the ego. The people we know Satan knows and Jesus knows. The people are expecting you to be a political leader. This is part of the tension and the problem. He said, so why don't you just do what the people want? This is the same, you can get the same result in the end, but just do a different path. Your father, maybe he's not right about this. Why don't you do this way? Become that political leader and then you can do whatever you want. To which Jesus says no. Tells them to leave. And uh, it begs the question, uh, we are made in his image, but uh, today do not people try to create God in their image. Here is my image of Jesus. No, that doesn't work. That's not how it works. Huh? But you see what's happening here. My friends, the story of the fall of Adam and Eve and the recounting of the tempting of Jesus um, is complicated. And uh, I looked to see, okay, Paul, explain what the first two are. What am I going to do for you? And uh, one of the things, the essence of everything going on are choices. There are choices to be made. So my friends, uh, knowing that the first and reading in the gospel are very complicated, uh, they are about trust and faith and ultimately about making choices. Before the fall of Adam and Eve, they lived blissfully, almost with no sense of responsibility, as they had everything they needed. They really knew no such thing as remorse or regret, but then they had no sense of well-being at doing what is right either, you see. But then <clears throat> there is something given, freedom of choice. 
in doing so, God made it possible for them to know such things, made it possible for them to be moral, that is, to choose freely right or wrong. They had the freedom to say yes or to say no to God. Unfortunately, they abused that freedom. To choose evil is always to abuse freedom. And I look back, all of our human achievements, all of our human discoveries, all of our human wars, all the heights which we have risen to and all the depths to which we have sunk have all been about abusing or using freedom, either correctly or wrongly. In the desert, Jesus was faced with the same choices faced by Adam and Eve to do God's will or to not do God's will. Unlike Adam and Eve, Jesus made the decision to do what his father was asking rather than what he wanted. And, my friends, as the church teaches, Jesus was like us in all things except for sin. He was fully human and fully divine. And just because he had no sin did not mean that he was less human. The fact that uh, he was without it does not imply a lack of anything in humanness. And every day we too are faced with choices to do what is right or to do what is just or to do what is good or to choose to do things that are wicked or choose against God's will. It is clear that we have within us a strain of rebelliousness a lot of self-centeredness, even short-sightedness, which causes us to make the wrong choices and often leads to very self-destructive things or unbecoming behavior, for sure. The fact that Jesus won an important victory in the desert did not mean that the war was over with temptation and that it was over and finished and done with. There would be other attacks and battles for Jesus. On Palm Sunday, we will hear proclaim one of the most powerful ones, but as we know, Jesus won that one also. And so perhaps one of the easiest ways to look at this, and I tell people this on a personal level when they're sitting across from me, the more we choose to, good, to do good, to do what is right, the easier it will become to do. It'll be easier in the future. However, the more we choose to do that which is wrong, um, the easier that will become also. If you continue to choose what is wrong, it will always become easier for you. So then the opposite must be true. We need his grace to choose wisely. My friends, uh, Adam and Eve, in this story, they lost their original innocence because of a lack of trust and faith, and, if you will, obedience to God. Thus, all of humanity inherited this disobedience. That's what Paul's kind of getting at. However, through Jesus and through his Paschal mystery, his sacrifice, we, his spiritual descendants, have inherited eternal life if we choose it. We have gained what was lost by a lack of trust 
and obedience from our original parents, if you will. It was regained by the trust and faith and obedience of the sinless one, Jesus, fully human and fully divine. So now it's your turn to choose. You must choose to trust or to have faith and to do the will of God and to maintain it or something other. Often people remember, people would say, oh, well, what would Jesus do? My response is, I have no idea. <laughs> I do not know the mind of Jesus. Rather, the scriptures tell us what we should do. <laughs> That's what it's really telling us. So, what would Jesus tell us uh, about temptation? First, don't mess with it. He didn't mess with it. He found it to be very serious business. So what did temptation ultimately mean for Jesus? It meant the same as it meant for Adam and Eve, as it means for us. It means choosing between good and evil, between God's will and our own on such matters. To follow Jesus, we need to look at his example then. And it was not easy for Jesus. The scriptures do not portray everything as easy for him in his humanness. Jesus had to deal with real temptations. He was really human. I mean, he didn't pretend to be, as in Greek mythology. They didn't, those gods pretended to be. Jesus didn't pretend to be human. He was human. And uh, he became victorious, but it was no easy matter for him in that humanness. Jesus kept his communion with the Father by deep prayer and selfless actions of almsgiving, we know, charitable acts. So we need to do that also. Deep prayer, fasting, almsgiving, obedience to the Father. The Holy Spirit was with Jesus during his struggle, and the Holy Spirit is with us in our struggles. It is a great consolation to know that God is not outside of our struggle, but in it with us. And this is a great mystery, I admit. So is the temptation of Jesus, when you think about it. How is it that Satan could even tempt the Son of God? It's a mystery. I can go home and I'll think about it and then my head will start hurting because <laughs> I can't wrap myself around it. How is that even possible? And yes, it's easy because he had two natures. <laughs> it doesn't answer all the questions. <laughs> I won't figure that out until with God's grace I enter into heaven one day and I ask the question, what is all that? <laughs> what is all that? So for now, though, friends, choose. You have to. You're not going to be able to sit on the fence. Choose. And do things. Prayer and fasting are all leading to almsgiving, to the action. Yes, we have monks in our church. They pray for all of us. But that leads to an action also, ultimately, for them. But we must do 
There's people, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Do good. It's really simple. <laughs> do good. It's a simple answer. But it's one that is often very difficult in our times. To pray, fast, and then do. Jesus did it all the time.